their baptism testimonies here in just a second, but I just want to read this. Uh, for those of you maybe that you, you've trusted in Christ, you know he's your Savior, but you've always struggled with what baptism really is and what it means. Let me just read this real quick before we do that. And this is John MacArthur. He simply says this, Water immersion is commanded of every believer, and it is very important not only for its own sake, but it demonstrates one's obedient heart, but because of picture, the picture it presents. You see, baptism is a teaching aid. Baptism is an object lesson. Baptism is a physical analogy of a profound spiritual reality. And when we do these testimonies, I basically tell them, you're getting ready to preach on a Sunday morning. Just not only by what you're saying, but what you're doing. And then he says, baptism is a physical picture of the death, burial, and, and of new life that occurs when one puts their faith in, in the Savior. It is an object lesson. It's a visual representation of a spiritual reality. So we're celebrating with those who are publicly declaring what's happened inwardly. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. So today we're celebrating with those who are publicly professing their faith in Christ. So if you would turn your attention to the screen. My name is Lillian Kilby. I'm a sophomore and I'm about to be 16 years old. I am getting baptized again to show the end of my old life and the beginning of my new life in Christ. I believe that God is never late. He always has perfect timing. So much has changed in my life this past year with my family and God has done great things for me and my family for the better. By doing this, I am showing that I am taking the next step in my faith. I'm Sean Steele and I'm getting baptized today because I believe Jesus Christ is my Savior and He died on the cross for my sins. Um, I got to know, accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was 16 years old. And I, uh, it's been 29 years ago, by the way. And I got out of uh, going to church and lost my way through uh, addiction and substance abuse. I battled that a, a large part of my life. And uh, I'm rededicating my life to Christ because I know that God, with God there is hope. And with hope, anything's possible as long as you have God on your side. Thanks. Hi, I'm Kelsey, and I'm here today because I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I want to proclaim my love for him. I think that everybody listening can say that they've, you know, been through some challenging things in their life. I know that I have, and I have an amazing support system of family and friends, but I also know that I could not have handled some situations as well as I have without having my faith to lean on. Um, so my goal moving forward from today is to continue to strengthen my relationship with Christ and to continue to, you know, build up my faith. Um, and, you know, how wonderful would it be if by doing so I could influence somebody else to do the same. some really great testimonies. Let's just give the Lord a hand clap of praise for what he's done in the life. Very thankful for everyone here being baptized this morning. And uh, this is Lillian Kilby. And I'm so thankful for her and for her family being here at East Hillsville Baptist Church. And I've seen this girl grow a tremendous amount in the last year. And I'm very honored to baptize her today. And Lillian, before I baptize you, I'll ask you two questions. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Lillian, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in the of life. God bless you. Lillian. Kelsey Tedder, and I had the privilege of baptizing her husband. I think it was like last November, maybe. And uh, she's a school teacher, and I really appreciate her and her faith in Jesus Christ and her testimony. And Kelsey, I'll ask you the same question I did, Lillian. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Mm -hmm. Kelsey, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised the walk in his life. Uh, this is Cameron Jones. He didn't get a chance to do a video 
Uh, I was this, this kid's lunchroom buddy back when he was in first grade at Wittenberg and uh, had his mom from time to time in youth ministry. And I'm honored to baptize him today. And Cameron, I'll ask you the same question I did to ladies. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Cameron, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in his life. Very proud of this young man right here. See, not all steals are short, all right? <laughs> uh, but I'm very proud of Sean. Uh, prayed for this uh, fellow a long time and very honored to baptize you today. Sean, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes, sir. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Sean, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Very good in his death. Raise the walk and win us a All right, and all of God's people said, Amen. Is that not a blessing? Let me pray for us. Father, as we come to your prayer, we thank you so much that we can start out a service with baptism. Lord, it's a step of obedience because of our faith in you. And Lord, I pray for Lillian, Kelsey, Cameron, and Sean. And Lord, I pray that you'd use them for your honor and for your glory. Father, if there's anyone here today who's never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that they would say yes to Jesus today. Father, I pray that if there's someone here today, that, Lord, if they've placed their faith in you, but they've never followed through with believers' baptism, Lord, use these baptisms as a testimony to them. It doesn't matter your age, your race, your background. Lord, all that matters is that I'm following Jesus. And, Lord, I pray that you would encourage their heart to do that as well. Father, bless the rest of this service, and we'll tell that we love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's my honor again to welcome you here to the service. If you're visiting with us today, we're so thankful you could join us. Maybe you're here visiting with family that was baptized, or maybe you're here to see some of the kids sing. But whatever reason you're here, we're glad that you've joined us, and we would encourage you before you leave just to fill out the care card that's in your bulletin. And you can leave that in your pew or put it in the offering plates at the exits. Or you can stop by our uh, vestibule. That's a fancy word for the front lobby. Um, and fill out a guest card there and pick up a guest bag, but we'd love to have a record of your visit. Um, but right now, I'm going to ask everyone to stand and take just a minute as our children get into place and welcome one another to the service. may be seated and as the kids still get into place this is uh, our kids worship group every Sunday we offer kids worship now in the fellowship hall we've been doing that for some time and uh, Elizabeth Walker as our children's director she's going to say just a word read scripture and uh, y'all are in for a treat um, my name is Elizabeth Walker like Kevin said I am the children's director and somebody just asked me the other day if I've enjoyed being the children's director, I have loved it. I feel like it is the dream job that I get to pour into your kids and they have been such a joy. You don't see us a lot because we do children's worship in the fellowship hall downstairs. So we love being part of this service today. And our what we've talked to the kids about is we don't wanna come up here and sing with you. We wanna worship with you. We wanna lead you in worship. Um, and I'm gonna read Psalm 100. Um, it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So 
We hope you can worship with us. And I'm really proud of these kids and how hard they've worked. And I hope it brings joy to you as you worship with us. Thank you.
I'm super partial, but I thought they were awesome. So um, they have some stuff on the front pews where they sat. And I'm going to ask parents or guardians, whoever is here with them, if you'll stand up so they can see where you're sitting, um, if you'll do that now. Um, okay, so students, when you see who you are with, grab your stuff off the pews and go sit with your families, okay? Go ahead, be careful of the courts. Thank you guys for supporting them.
as we come to this time in prayer, I just want to mention this. This morning I'm going to be preaching on trials, the trials of life out of 1 Peter chapter 1. And one of the things that trials do, trials will allow us to see how much trust we're putting in the Lord. And sometimes if you're like me, when trials hit, our faith can get a little bit weak. And what Christ would ask us to do is say, God, during this trial that I'm going through, will you strengthen my faith? And allow this time now to be that time for you. And if you're here today and you want to pray for your family, you can pray for this church service. I'd love to see God save people during this church service, wouldn't you? Also, I want you to remember Donna Little. Uh, the barbecue that we're having today is for her and her family. And she needs your prayers greatly for her help. And I'll, I'll share some of that before the service, uh, before I start preaching. But as the choir and the praise team lead us in this time, if you'll meet me here at the altar, let's pray the, together this morning. Thank you. as we come to you in prayer, Lord, I lift up our congregation this morning. Lord, as we're going to talk in just a little while about trials, Lord, there may be members of our church here this morning that are going through trials. And Father, I pray that you would strengthen them. Lord, strengthen their faith. Lord, as your children, you know we're weak, especially when we're hit with trials. And Lord, I pray that you would help. Lord, your word says that your grace is sufficient and that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And Lord, trials can make us so weak, so weak. So Father, I pray that you'd strengthen today for your honor and for your glory. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for the things alone that you can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.
so much. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, choir. I want to thank Elizabeth Walker for her uh, work here with our children's ministry. For those that um, help with Team Kid on Wednesday nights, Awana on Sunday nights, thank you so much for all that you're doing. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to look at this picture on the screen, and I'm going to pull up, if I can find this. Uh, this is Donna Little, and she's who we're having the... Uh, the barbecue for um, today and I want to read what is going on in Donna's life and I had her daughter to send me this it says her official diagnosis is Parkinson's with possible multiple systems atrophy which is a rare uh, disease that causes several parts of the brain to atrophy impairing speech mobility causing respiratory issues affecting blood pressure along with an assortment of other complications in October, she had a treatment called an MRI-focused ultrasound where they burned the part of the brain that causes tremors. Her tremors were almost immediately gone, but side effects worsened her conditions and impairing her mobility. Using her right arm and speech, she was recently chosen for a medical research study in the British Virgin Islands. The clinical trials from last year have shown an average of 50% improvement in a patient's conditions, but there's tremendous amount of cost with that. She just got back, I think, from, from the British Virgin Islands. So the barbecue today is to help her. We do not have barbecues unless there's a great need, okay? And I've talked to, to Donna and Phil uh, in private, and there is a great need there. And uh, what a way, a good way to bless somebody else. You're not going to give too much money today. Don't think, well, will I give too much? You're not because she needs it. She's been a member of this church longer than I have, raised her kids here. Um, I just thank the world for her and her family. I really feel bad about where she's at in her life right now with her health, and we're going to pray for that. But today you have an opportunity to, to help. 
when, when I pray at the end and we release you, you can go through the church this way or go around, but you're going through the takeout area, and they'll have Ziploc baggies of barbecue. You can pick that up. And Donna's here. Raise your hand, Donna. I didn't even see you. Praise the Lord. Let's give her a hand clap for being here today. What a blessing. Did not see her. Thank you so much for being here today. But you can, you can uh, get extra plates and different things like that. And it's all donations, okay? So we're trusting you to give, and I want to encourage you to give. Uh, be a cheerful giver today, amen? So, so please give for that. Donna, we love you. We're praying for you, and your church is standing 100% behind you, okay? If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Today we're going to be talking about trials. We've been going through uh, this, this epistle for the last five weeks. And I, this, this lesson today is going to apply to all of us. I mean, it just applies to all of us. It's just very practical. Notice what Peter says in verse 6. In this, that's talking about our great salvation that we talked about for four weeks. In this, you great, look at these words, greatly rejoice. They did not have these words in Greek culture. This is strictly Christian words. And I'll explain that in just a moment. Because the world cannot greatly rejoice. The world knows happiness, but the world don't know joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And joy is not based on your circumstances. Joy is based on your salvation. Okay? In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while if need be. You have been grieved by various trials. And look at the word grieved. That means distress. That means physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, just pain. Okay? Peter could have used a whole bunch of words, but he just used one. He says, by various trials, which means your trials may be different than mine, that the genuineness of your faith, and this is what he says, being much more precious than gold. Your faith is the most important thing about you. The most important thing that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. Though now you do not seem, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith and the salvation of your souls. I think that last part there, Peter's saying, don't you wish Jesus would just show up and tell you something? But he's not going to. He's give you the word, and he's give you the Holy Spirit, and he's give you a church, okay? And that's how he's going to help you. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we thank you for your word. Lord, once again, Lord, in a congregation this size this morning, there will be multiple families and people going through trials. And Father, I pray that you would use this message this morning in your word to encourage. Lord, to soften hearts and to help. And Father, I just want to tell you that I love you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When Peter wrote this letter, he writes it to Christians. And you'll notice in the first two verses, scattered throughout modern day Turkey. Okay? And they're scattered over 750,000 miles. And Christianity was taking root and people's lives were being changed. You've got to understand this. The Jewish people that Rome dealt with, they stayed in the synagogues and they minded their own business. Christians were born again and then their faith went everywhere. So much so that the temples were stopping. The temples were having nobody come visit them. The, the marketplaces where they sold their idols, okay, people weren't buying them. And Rome didn't understand it. Now listen to what Tacitus, this is a historical fact, wrote. When, when, one pastor said this, he said, Historians like Tacitus, a Roman senator from the first century, revealed how Christians were viewed in that culture. For one, they were viewed as treasonous to the crown because they would not acknowledge the divinity of Caesar. They said, Jesus is Lord. They were also viewed as atheists because they rejected the pantheon of gods and goddesses and instead, Tacitus wrote, they worshipped a dead man. They were considered bad for business simply because they refused to worship in temples and buy all the locally manufactured idols. As a result, money-making enterprises related to the temple dropped wherever Christianity took hold. The early church would follow the New Testament letters in condemning adultery, fornication, homosexuality as out of bounds. The acts we're talking about. And they would deliver that message at the very same time their emperor had married both a man and a woman and had various affairs with married women. Christians were actually being viewed as anti-business, anti-family, anti-patriotic, anti-social, anti-Caesar, immorally deviant, cannibalistic, and atheistic. My, how history repeats itself. 
Think about this. Tacitus writes, These who have been given the vulgar name Christians were detested for the abominations they perpetrated. The founder of the sect, Christ, he says Christus by name, had been ex executed by Pontius Pilate, and this dangerous superstition, though put down for the moment, broke out again. Not only in Judea, the original home of this pest, but even in Rome. But Tacitus, it gets better. Another Roman historian says this, Because of these issues, this religion was slowly prohibited by laws which were enacted and by edicts which eventually proclaimed that it was unlawful to be a Christian. So that's who Peter's writing to. Losing families, losing jobs, losing influence, losing your reputation because you place your faith in somebody. Isn't that sad? Now, that is not happening here in America right now, but it is happening in a lot of places over the, all over the world. The most persecuted people group on the planet, and there's no close second, are Christians. More people are killed for their faith today than have been killed uh, really even in Jesus' day and in Peter's day because of their faith in Christ. And Peter's writing this letter, letter to scattered believers and it's becoming a perilous time to be a Christian. And after mentioning our great salvation, election, redemption, sanctification, all these things, glorification, he writes about trials. Now you're saying, well, I'm not being persecuted. And you're not, please. You're not. All right? You're not being persecuted at all. You're not. Go overseas. I've been overseas. If you want to see people that have to live a different life because of their faith, you're not. All right? But you do have trials. Listen to this. Why did my wife die? Why is my child sick? Why did this happen? If God loves me, why is life so hard sometimes? If God is so good, preacher... Why does he make me go through this? I've heard those things. And your faith will be tested through a trial like no other. Okay? But there are a few facts about trials that we need to know. First, trials are temporary. Thank God. Look at verse 6. Notice what Peter writes. In this you greatly rejoice. Now look at those words, greatly rejoice. That's where we get the word for joy. In this you greatly rejoice. Uh, one scholar said, this is an intensive, expressive term. It's never found in secular Greek. Greek authors never used it. People didn't refer to it. The Greeks and the Americans use words like happiness and happy. And those words are derived from happenings. Something happens, I'm happy. Something don't happen, I'm unhappy. Okay? In other words, the world never talks about joy, but they talk a lot about happiness. Happiness depends on what happens, and what happens in life isn't always happy. Happiness is externally generated, where joy is internally generated. Joy is a glad and settled contentment. It is the fruit of a divine relationship that produces a divine perspective on what happens in life by means of our submission to the Holy Spirit. See, you find out how much you really trust in the Lord when you go through trials. It'll make a man out of boys. It sure will. It'll make a woman out of a little girl, regardless of your age. Happiness is natural. There's nothing wrong with it, but joy is supernatural. Notice the word a little while. A little while can last a long time. It just can. A little while, I've been with y'all. It can last a long time. It can last up until the funeral, but God says in light of eternity, it is a little while. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul talks about this. Paul talks about himself. Listen to what he says. He says, we're oppressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Paul talks about it like it's no big deal. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, 
There will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. He's talking about his sufferings. This is why we never give up. And I want to tell you, don't give up. Don't. Don't give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. Read what Paul went through. Our present troubles are just small. He says they won't last forever. Yet they produce for us a, vastly, a glory that vastly outweighs them that will last forever. And what Paul is saying is all these things that he lists about himself are small compared to eternity, which is forever. I wish I had faith like Paul. I don't. Not yet. Man, think about that. He says, what I'm going through, ah, it's just little compared to eternity. Then he says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that which cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. So if you're going through trials, I want you to understand, ultimately, as far as eternity is concerned, they're temporary. It's hard to share that as a pastor to somebody when you're in ICU with them or in a waiting room with their family. It's just really hard to share that. But right now, you're in church, and your trials aren't going to last forever. Trials are also necessary. Notice what Paul or Peter says. Notice what he says. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if needed, if necessary. So if God sends a trial your way, now there are trials that I bring on myself, right? There's a lot of things that I can bring on myself, and I just have to live with it. You reap what you sow. Reap good things, good things come up. If you reap bad things, it's just life. It's just a, a principle of life. Now, don't blame God for your trials you cause. I'm talking about what God allows to happen in your life. He said they're necessary for you. So you may have never been to seminary. Some of the smartest, wisest people I know in the spiritual realm have never been to seminary. I mean, all you're going to learn are facts in seminary. Some of the worst preachers I've ever heard in my life went to seminary. But boy, you take somebody that's been through something in this church and let them get up and speak. Man. What they would tell you is the trial I went through was necessary. God says this trial in your life. Now listen, any trial you go through from God, understand that God is in charge. Now listen to this. Your trials are purposed. There is intelligence behind them. They're not just accidents. They have a purpose. God is in charge and he's sovereign over sickness. Sickness is not in charge. There is a wisdom behind it, if necessary. Accidents are not sovereign. God is sovereign. Why? Why? Why is it necessary? Many people are converted because of a trial. You're looking at one. Many people. I thank God for what I went through. Thank Him. Every day. Many people are converted because of a trial. Somebody says, you do funerals for everybody. I got a funeral Monday. Do you realize that with every funeral I preach, I share the gospel? Everyone. Only God will know when we get to heaven how many people come to faith because they were at somebody's funeral. I share the gospel at a weddings. A lot of lost people or people that aren't church people or people that aren't Christians go to funerals and weddings. Isn't it amazing how God can take the death of someone and bring people to Christ? Most lost people will not pick up a Bible and read it and get convicted. Thank God for the Gideons. A lot of people do, but most don't. But God oftentimes will send a trial to soften a heart, and many times he does. C.S. Lewis said this, Trials teach us to grow up and leave our playthings. Trials will take a 40-year-old Christian man who plays PlayStation every day and set him on fire for Jesus. Trials will take a lady who has been in church her whole life and gossips and complains and make her in one of the prayingest saints you ever met. Isn't that amazing? Trials are necessary. Trials will give us a sensitive heart to other people. Notice what Paul told the church at Corinth. He says this. It'll be on the screen. He says, and I'm going to read this part and then the other parts on the screen. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and source of all comfort. And then he says this. He comforts us in all our troubles so that they're necessary. We can comfort others. See, oftentimes people will come to me and they'll say, Pastor, hey, I've been through this. What can I do? And I said, do you mind if I give you somebody's number? 
Do you mind if I give you somebody's number? They've been through that. Their child's been through that. They've been divorced. They've been in jail. They've been there. They've had a sickness. They've been through that. They've been fired for no reason. See, God comforts us in all our troubles or trials so that it's necessary we can comfort others. When we are troubled, we're able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You see, sometimes I go with Scotty to prisons. Why is Scotty so good with prison ministry? Because he's been through it. Family members. When I go to prison, I talk about my dad dying in prison. That's what I talk about. People listen. People listen. Okay? People listen. Look, you, you, your, your trials are necessary sometimes, not only so that you can experience who God is, but so that you can help other people. What a ministry. And I'll say this again. It would be great because I have preached, I don't know, since October, 10 funerals out of this church. It'd be great to have a grieving ministry here. It would. Somebody who's been through that, that people can get together because it's just so much, so much here. So much happens here. It's amazing. What a tremendous ministry that would be. Now listen, I hate trials, but understand they're necessary. And I'm not trying to minimize what you're going through at all. I'll tell you how, how I handle trials. If I have a golf day planned and it rains, it's the worst day of my life. You know, had a pretty good life, amen? I mean, what a trial you're going through. So I'm not going to act like some super saint, but I believe God's Word. Some of the most important decisions in your life will come through pain. Oftentimes, you'll learn more about yourself and God through pain. I like sharing this story. I was associate pastor 2002 through 2004, actually to 2005. And I remember then, the most of the time, if I preached, it was Wednesday night or Sunday night. And I got an opportunity to preach on a Sunday night. And you know, there's like, I don't know how many people had that morning. I had about 80 people here that night, right? I preached hard. I preached on storms and trials. And I thought, man, everybody here I know, they're not going through any of this. My God, why would you have me to preach on it? And I give an invitation. And, you know, nobody really moves on the invitation. We'll say, you, you, you're an adult. You can make decisions there. Well, up come this guy. I thought, what are we going to do? <laughs> there comes this guy. I remember Ronald Brookshire was going here at the time. And he says, Jamie, I just want to introduce you to this guy. And I said, okay. He says, man, I'm working. I think he, I think he was working on a prison or something. I can't remember. He's working on some construction thing. I said, brother, where are you from? He said, South Carolina. He said, here's where I'm staying. Will you please come talk to me this week? I said, okay. Almost forgot about him. I think it was a Tuesday I went. He, went to, he was staying in some rental properties with a group of guys. I knocked on the door. He's sitting there. Everybody's drinking, smoking. Come on in, preacher. Hey, man, let's go in, right? So I'm talking to this guy in front of his buddies. And I said, how'd you get these tables? He said, I was getting my hair cut in town. And this lady says, that's a good church to go to. I said, okay. And he says, can I talk to you outside? I said, Yes. And he told me about his situation, about his marriage. And he says, I'm running away. He said, literally what I've been doing is running away from my wife and my family. And I said, you need to get back home. He says, I'm quitting tomorrow. And he quit and went back home. He told me the church he was going to. And I said, brother, you know, it's one of the great, one of the great churches in South Carolina. You've got a great church and a great pastor. He says, I've got a great wife, too. He said, I just thank God I came to church on a Sunday night. And the very thing you preached on was for me. See, trials are necessary sometimes. Now, I don't know how that old boy's doing. I hope he's doing good. I hope he's doing real good. But trials are necessary. Trials also test our faith. Notice what, what Peter says. He says this. Notice that the genuineness of your faith. Now, look at me. Trials separate us, don't they? I have, I've had people all the time, oh, I'm, I'm saved, brother, are you? We're about to find out if you are or not. Are you truly born again? If, if Jesus came back today, how many of us would not be here? And how many of us would be left? Only you can answer that question. See, there's two questions a trial will answer. Number one is, am I born again? And then if I am born again, do I really trust Jesus? I mean, do you really trust the Lord? It's like David Jeremiah said. He said he trusted God until he got cancer. And then he said, all this stuff I preach, is it true? 
Is it true? See, a trial will do that for you. A trial will make you bitter at God or it will make you the best worshiper in the church. Look, it will test the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold. See, they were losing their gold. And gold perishes. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his own soul? And then you know what Jesus says? What will you give in exchange for your soul? Uh, people give up their soul for relationships all the time. People give up their soul for a career. You know what gets me? People get educated. They'll get educated. I mean, I'm like, man, I know you. You got a PhD in stupidity is what you got. That's all you got. You come out of, of some school and you turn into the most immoral person in your family tree. And you were worshiping Jesus, brother? That's not smart to me. Look, the genuineness of your faith. I remember uh, preaching something similar. And I remember getting a text from one of our senior adults. Okay? And he said, I need to talk to you. I said, all right. Came in, we talked. He said, I went to the doctor. This is before the Jennings building was built. He said, I got cancer. He said, he said, preacher, I'm worried. I said, hey, man, we'll pray. I didn't say, hey, man. I said, hey, sir, we'll pray. Okay? So we started praying, you know, and he said, listen. He said, I'm really concerned about this. And I said, I'll tell you what, a, what, what this will do. You'll really find out about your relationship to Jesus. He said, well, I've been baptized here. He served in a lot of areas. I'm not going to tell you what those areas were. A lot of areas. Okay? He come back two weeks later and said, I got pretty good news. He said, but you know what else I got? He said, what? He said, I got under conviction, preacher. I don't think I even know Jesus. So we prayed. He received Christ there in my office. Eighty-some years old. Right? I shared that at his funeral. See, what the trial did, as bad as it was, and he ended up dying. Okay? Years later, many years later, what the trial did was showed him whether or not he was a Christian. So do you really know Jesus? I mean, is your mind set on the resurrected Christ who was historically born, historically died, historically rose from the dead, historically verifiable? Is your faith in him or is your faith in some mythical thought of Jesus? See, in Alexander County, a lot of people believe in a, a Jesus that's almost like the Muslims or the Mormons. I'm like, that Jesus, I don't know who that Jesus is. The Jesus I serve rose from the dead. Bore God's wrath on the cross. Forgave my sins. And that's who I'm following. A trial will not only do that, but listen to me, Christians. A trial will show you what you really trust. What is your trust in really? Do you really believe, do you really believe this book? Do you? A trial lets you know real quick whether you believe in this book or not. Then the final thing, and I'm going to hurry, is this. Trials point to the return of Christ. Notice how Peter put this. He says, whom having not seen you love, you have not seen Jesus. You hadn't. And guess what? You're not going to see him until he comes back or you die. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I touch those nail prints. I'm not going to believe. I'd be like Thomas. That's the way I was in college. I don't believe this. Prove it to me. Prove it to me. If God is real, give me a sign. You know what one guy I went to school with said? Go outside and look at the sun, dummy. <laughs> it's just there every day. Just look at that. And I said, you know what? That makes sense. Yeah. He said, he said just look, give me a sign. You know what Jesus said to the rich man, who, was, who the parable he shared of rich man and, and, and Lazarus? The rich man says, I'm in torment here in this flame. And then listen to what he said. He wanted a sign. He, he made this statement. He said this. He said, then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send someone to my father's. He said, send Lazarus, that's in heaven, to my father's house. And he says, why? For I have five brothers that he may testify them, lest they also come to this place of torment. It's a parable Jesus shared. Then Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let, them hear, let him hear them. And he said, no, Father, no. What he's saying is the Bible's not good enough. No, Father... No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Now, this guy, the parable, this guy's talking from hell. He said, if they go to my brothers, he said, if somebody raises from the dead and just goes to them like Lazarus, they'll, they'll believe. 
But he said to them, Abraham said, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. No sign's going to convince you if this book don't. It's just not. Stop asking for a sign. Look, whom having not seen you love, trials will let you know what you really trust in. Do you really love Jesus? That word for love is a great word. It means if I lose everything today, but I have Jesus, I've got it all. You're never going to see him. I've never seen him, but he's as real to me today as he ever has been. And if he's not to you, I'd encourage you to look in the mirror. And examine, your, examine yourself and ask yourself why. Trials point us to Jesus. Trials will also let us know what we trust in. You guys know my brother, before COVID, his wife got sick. Was at Duke Hospital for 50-some days, right? I was not there every day, but I was there almost every day. Spent several nights in the hospital. Went through that parking deck, which is the worst place on earth, is the Duke Hospital parking deck. It is the worst place on earth. I got to where I hated pulling up into that place. $8 a day, didn't matter what your last name was. Uh, the President of the United States has to pay to get in that parking deck. Surgeons, I was fine. I said, you got to pay? He says, yeah, I got to pay. So every day, go up on the ninth floor. Every day. Up on the ninth floor is not a good spot to be. Some people survive, but a lot of people don't. Rooms are real small. The backside of Duke Hospital, that cancer part's really good. Where my brother was... Really bad. Wouldn't, it wouldn't be unusual for me to get a call and say, call the family in. 11.30 at night. You get in the car and you drive to Duke. Pray. Not tonight. Not tonight. What do you tell your brother? He's the preacher, man. What do you tell him? What would you tell him? I mean, you're sitting there in this room, and you know this, this lady's going to die. I mean, that's your brother. I mean, you used to beat him up. You used to kick him in the face, beat him in basketball, do all those things, you know. What are you going to tell him? What words of wisdom do you give your brother? Knowing he's going to preach your funeral in a couple of weeks. I said, brother, the only thing I can tell you is this. Just trust in the Lord. That's it. Solomon, one of the wisest men in the world, said this. If you'll notice on the screen, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's all I can tell you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your... I got my own understanding sometimes. Boy, a trial fixes that really quick. It fixes it really quick. So if you come to me and say, Preacher, why is this happening? I don't know. I've seen the best of you suffer the worst, and I don't understand it. Don't even try to anymore, but I know what? God is good. Jesus loves you. Heaven's forever. And God said one day, he'll wipe away every tear from your eyes. Amen. I want you to stand with me for just a moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just for a moment. This invitation time is, if you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to do that today. To do that today. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The greatest act of faith you can ever place is place your faith in Jesus. And I would encourage you to do that even now. Jesus, today I place my faith and trust in you. And I ask you to save me. And if you're here today and you're a Christian, maybe you just need to say, Lord, today help my unbelief. Help me, Lord. Help me to trust you. Help me to trust you during this trial. And after I pray, I'd also like to mention that if you went through class 101 and would like to join the church this morning, this altar is open for you. Our staff will be here if you need us, or you can take time in your pew or come to the altar if you need to pray. Father, as we come to you in prayer, thank you, Lord, for the trials of life. But thank you to the God who is sovereign over all. Lord, how trials can soften hearts. And give us an eternal perspective. Lord, help us to trust you through the good and the bad in life. And help us to love you 
And help, help us, Lord, as a church to love others and to comfort others. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do for us. Father, if there's anyone here today who has never placed their faith and trust in you, Lord, I pray that you would save them for your honor and for your glory. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. Lord, this is your invitation, and this is your time, and these are your people. And I pray that it would bring honor and glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. today uh, we have some uh, folks who are going to join the church and then I'll pray for the barbecue but I, before you get your barbecue I'd encourage you to uh, come by and shake their hands uh, these guys serve this really fast the boxes are made up so you can get your food really quick okay so first I'm going to ask Ivor Marie to come forward she's been coming to East Hazel Baptist Church for quite some time and I'm honored to be her friend and honored to have her here at East Hazel Baptist Church do we have a motion to accept her as a member of East Hazel Baptist Church do we have a second all in favor, raise your hand and say amen. Amen. Welcome to East Tesla, Iva, and we'll give you that. I'm going to ask Aaron and Lillianne to come forward. Aaron and Lillianne have been coming as well. Was this not a blessing to hear her testimony this morning? And they come this morning to join East Tesla Baptist Church. Do we have a motion to accept them? Do we have a second? All in favor, say aye. All right. Next, we have Daniel Burke. Been coming for quite some time as well. Glad to have him here. Do we have a motion to accept him as a member of East Tesla Baptist Church? Do we have a second? All in favor say amen. 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 And then we have Shirley Pittman. If you'll come here, Shirley, and y'all can come with her. It's good to have good friends. Amen. Yes. And I really appreciate Shirley and her faithfulness here. And she uh, has been through Class 101, been saved and baptized, and she comes this morning to join these tales as well. Do we have a motion to accept her? Do we have a second? Amen. All of God's people said? Amen. amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And Kevin, if you'll hand me that brick. Uh, as y'all know, we, uh, we give everybody a brick here. And what this means is, is that we're all the same. I don't have any special privileges. I'm not special. Your gifts and talents are just as important as mine. And it takes all of us to build the kingdom of God. Amen. So that's why we give you a brick. Uh, if you leave church, don't bring it back. All right. <laughs> we love you. You can keep it. We love it. Take it to your next church. Amen. But no, I'm just kidding. But listen, I'm going to pray for us. Please listen. Give from the bottom of your heart today. Okay. Thank you so much. I love you, church. Honored to be your pastor. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for these that are joining. Thank you for those that were baptized. Lord, I lift Donna up to you in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for her faith and her faithfulness to this church and her family. Lord, we pray for her healing. Lord, we pray that you would use this barbecue to help and bless her life. And Father, we love you today. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. God bless you. Thank you and you're dismissed. I'll let you hold that, okay?